America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Help DVE. Help the kids. This September, support the 15th annual DVE Rocks Children's Radiothon broadcast. For three days, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, September 28th, 29th, and 30th, DVE will be broadcasting live to support the rock stars at UPMC's Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. You can become a Platinum Rock Star, too, with a $20 a month donation and also be entered to win giveaways. Call in during the live program or visit givetochildrens.org backslash DVE Rocks to donate. Hi, this is Matt Parker, author of A Radical Enterprise, and you're listening to the Agile Uprising Podcast. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising Podcast. I'm your host again, Jay Hersko. Joining me, I have this evening, uh, my partner in crime, Mr. Mike Cadell. How are y'all? Uh, one of the Agile Bettys, unfortunately, her partner could not make it this evening, Miss Janelle Lanza. Hello. And a first-time attendee joining us from the rough and, and tumble streets where Rocky got his name, Mr. Abbott Shea Abbott. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. We are glad to have you. So the topic of the, of this evening, this week's what have you's episode is unscripted. So just a warning to all you listeners um, might get a little interesting. Uh, typically, I have trouble getting ahead of the intro in the unscripted show. So at least I think this one's a win so far. Um, I threw a question out there in our Discord server about the concept around staffing up your agile transformation, your agile organization. And is it? And the question was, is it better to train people? and move them up? Is it better to promote people into roles? Is it better to hire externally? Uh, what have people seen? What seems to be the key recipe for success? And I literally have no idea because um, I've looked at it a couple of different ways. So I'm going to start with you, Mike, just your first thought. Um, and now let me, let me throw out this question for you. What do you think both the pro and the con would be to hiring externally? If you're looking to build your agile practice, you're looking to build your agile practice, hiring externally, you can likely get have access to a broader pool of talent. So more different, diverse people and skill sets and experiences. And you can probably get them on board quicker and uh, shouldn't be that way, but it is. If somebody's not working out, you can uh, hit the eject button with less uh, muss and fuss. Uh, that's the pros. Uh, cons would be going to cost you a boatload more uh, <laughs> short-term cash. You are, um, there's maybe a little bit less continuity or loyalty, though that, you know, that, that you, we, we could debate that. And I hope we do, because that's an interesting uh, perspective to, to dive into. And um, probably the most important thing is that you're not building the knowledge and the capability and the skills within your organization. So most organizations that 
bite the bullet to bring in a large number of people externally, it's, you know, sadly, it's a project and it's funded and it's got, mm. you know, six months, nine months, a year, 18 months max funding. And it's a, it's a, a large initial burn, cash burn, and companies are not going to be able to carry that on forever. So you risk losing that capability and the continuity. And, and um, sometimes uh, external folks don't quite have the connection to the company's mission. As much as, you know, consultants will say, oh yeah, I, I'm just like you. I, I believe in your mission and I work with you. And there's some validity to that, but it's not quite the same in my experience. Okay. Speaking okay, of someone Janelle. who is currently a consultant and has been an employee <laughs> coach. And, and, you know, so let's see, looking at it from both sides. Right. You've been on, you've been on both sides of this debate. Okay, Janelle, what, what are your thoughts? Same here. I've been on both sides of that debate um, and that experience. I, I would say um, the points that Mike made were right on and um, hybrid is another possibility here. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, the thing that I would really, and I, I'm usually harping on strategy at some point in one of the Agile Uprising podcasts, and this is no different. It depends on the strategy. Are you looking to build capability and change that's um, in the DNA, like culture and all the other outcomes? Or are you just looking to implement something, gasp, that it's just, going to be over and done. That makes a big difference on who you want on your team for that. Okay. Okay. Abbott, what does your experience tell you? Yeah. I mean, I, I think both Janelle and Mike make pretty awesome points and, and I, I don't really disagree at all. I guess like, I wonder like the use case, um, when I think about this question, uh, because, you know, like Mike said, it is a lot of, it can be a lot of cash up front for an external yeah. contractor to come in. But if you have a plan and you can kind of set some sort of goal line to get to, and maybe it doesn't need to be sort of an endless project, it can be something that, you know, has like a, a ramp up and then a ramp down. Um, maybe it is more effective to bring someone in who can help train others. Um, and, and to Janelle's point, I, I like the hybrid model for that reason. Cause I think it's, it is good to kind of be able to train others and, and bring them up in in this methodology, if it's where your, your org is going. I, I definitely think that the, the training up idea will add to longevity. It'll add to sustainability. It'll add to the stickiness of a change. So Janelle, I'm going to start with you and go the other way. Right. So you and I are, are part of a company where we, we, we have put our heads down and we've decided that we're going to make a transformation, but we're very, very reluctant for whatever reason to bring in some external help. So we want to grow our people from within and that's how we're going to start. So what are, if that's, if that's our path, first question I want to ask you is the pros and cons of that. The pros are you probably aren't going to spend as much money. The other pros are your, whether people like it or not, they're going to be more involved than they ever dreamed. Like, oh, this is a night school. <laughs> we need actual management investments of their time and money. And, you know, people think 
with well-intended, you know, hands-off approach, and it, it just doesn't work for this type of thing. Um, the cons I've seen are there is definitely more um, credibility issues where you mm. might have fantastic people, but it's like, hey, Mike, weren't the guy on that one project that like burned up and flames and there was a trail of bodies behind it and now you're my coach? I'm not good with that. The so Yeah, like, you're right. You, you almost poison the candidate, right? Like, oh, I... You almost, it's almost a, um, and not to cut you off, Janelle, but it's almost like, well, I know you from something else and I've always known you. So why should I now believe that you are going to lead me to the promised land? What, what has changed? Right. You could, you could also take, depending on the situation, you could have a flip side to that in that somebody from outside the organization is not as trusted and maybe kept at a distance. Hmm. Okay. So, okay. Uh, what, as uh, Abbott said, it depends on the situation. Hmm. Okay, Abbott, I'm going to put you in the hot seat again. Have you ever been somewhere where the the predominant skill set was been upskilled or uptrained as opposed to brought in externally? And what was that experience like? Yeah, actually, um, you know, in a, in a role that that I was coaching in and and helping, sort of. I think due to resources, you know, having to ramp off uh, a particular transformation project. And the goal was then to like train someone who was already there, who was already staffed and, um, you know, had some interest in the work to, to learn. There, there was, there was a challenge with it. Um, I, I don't think it was necessarily with, it being an upskilling situation, I, th- I think in the case that I was in, at least there wasn't as much interest in it. Like it was, it was something that, you know, from the top was being almost <laughs> because this person was already there and, and they didn't have like a better answer at the moment it was almost kind of like, you know, being told to them that they would have to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that situation, I, I, I know we went through the motions, we kind of delivered on some milestones and, and we got to sort of the end of that upskilling and, and, and as much as, you know, they could afford and I could do in my role. Uh, but I, my understanding is it didn't quite stick. Um, so, so I think there is sort of a risk if, if sort of you can't get the buy-in. Mm, mm. Um, interesting side note, Mike and I both worked at a place in a previous life where, um, they brought in a lot of coaches, but then they started complaining that the coaches were expensive, but then they brought in more coaches. Then they kept complaining, complaining the coaches were expensive. And it became this weird sort of like circling the drain conversation. Uh, and I remember sending a proposal up to say, look, why don't we try to train up some people that are interested here while we're paying for the coaches that we have? Because that makes sense, right? Like right. if I want to, if I want to learn how to, I wish left was here. If I want to learn how to cook, right? In like a real kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a job working for someone who knows how to do it. And I'm going to study everything they can. I'm going to look for that opportunity. And I remember my early days as a scrum master, it would have been great to have a real senior, not pickled scrum master to, <laughs> to copy off of, right? And to, and to steal, oh, oh, he did that or she did that. And it worked great. I should probably do that. Um, I, I think that's, pro- I, 
I would dare say that's probably the recipe for success, mm. but I've yet to been anywhere empowered to try it. Right. Jay, as you're uh, describing that, Jay, I was thinking back over the course of my career and the times in my career when I've learned and grown the most have been when I've been paired with somebody um, with more experience or from a different from outside or whatever. And so I've, I've been the beneficial recipient of it. And I've also been on the other end, um, mentoring and coaching uh, other agilists. And hopefully they feel it was beneficial. Yeah. Uh, if you were a victim, if you were a victim of Mike Cadell's coaching, call 1-800-AGILE-UPRISING. You may be due compensation. Excuse yeah. yeah, the that, that, the combination of someone who, who knows the, the landscape, who's, who's part of, who, who's of the, uh, who's in the, the, the system, so to speak, uh, paired with someone who has different perspective, um, maybe uh, has been different places and uh, can be a step removed and kind of see the forest through the trees, because sometimes you lose sight of yeah. the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's ultimately where the, uh, the best outcomes are going to come from. And uh, something I've been uh, kind of uh, nudging my, my, one of my current clients with is not only do that for coaches, but do that for product owners and scrum masters. And if you're um, uh, forced to work in a safe environment for RTEs, um, so you know, be, I, I hear people moaning, I can't find good scrum masters. I, well, you got them here in your organization. You just have to, you know, it's like the the block of stone. You, you know, it's there. You just have to chisel right. all the other stuff right. away. Right. It's there. Your your recipe for success is there. It, it's the question is, are you willing to put the work in in order to get that David out of the block of marble? Yeah. Right? Are you willing to wait as well? Because right. that's not right. happens overnight or in a, right. in a quarter. Right. Right. So, so Janelle, let me ask you if, if, if we're optimizing for speed over stickiness, which way do you think we're going to go? You're probably going to outsource. However, there probably are some organizations out there who, um, that have tried to do that from within. Um, but I would outsource because there's already the experience. Um, they don't know the company, they don't know the culture, you know, get, I understand all that, but these people also know how to make progress to what you're calling an implementation um, in short order without knowing those details or learning them on the fly very quickly and just saying, well, it, it kind of matters, but the solution's gonna be the same. So or I'm gonna say- caring I'm, about them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give a hot take. This. I'm going to have a hot take, and I want to know what Janelle's thoughts are. Janelle, at some point, doesn't does the widget not matter? Meaning, what the company does at some at, at some point does it like, hey, Abbott does textiles, or he does software, or he does. I mean, at some point, is it like, yeah, it doesn't even matter. Just bring me in, tell me where you want to go, and we can get there. From the the unhealthy standpoint that we're talking in now, where you're just implementing, yes, and okay. also I believe that's true to a point in a healthy. Um, approach to things, whatever healthy is in a sustainable approach, it matters to a point. But when it comes down to it, when we're talking about communication and flow, those things are tough all over. 
Can I ask uh, a little bit more about what you're asking, Jay? Like, yeah, yeah. Would widget got like maybe I'm maybe my I'm too out of the loop or something. No, no, no. So, so no, that's a good question. This is Jay I'll speak. A, you just yeah, got it. Yeah, right. My brain <laughs> okay, is. Okay. I, I, I gave my boss. Uh, I let the cuckoo out of the clock the other day in a one on one, and I thought to myself, I'm going to get fired. Um, but so my my point being, Abbott is. Um, Mike has worked in fintech. He's worked in insurance. I've worked in insurance. I've worked in software. I've worked in fintech. Janelle has been all over the place as well. My question was at, at a certain point, does the fintech versus insurance versus software, does that not matter? Can you just kind of, I hate to say lift and shift, but can you kind of just, all right, I'm the RTE guy. Where's the train? Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess like personally, I, I've worked with a lot of uh, different types of organizations and you see the same problems across them, uh, even if they're, you know, in healthcare or if they're trying to create a new application for like edutainment, like, you know, it's, I feel like it's less about, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's important to, to think about the, the product and the customer. And that's of course, sort of like who you have to think about as a, as a huge part of what you're doing. But when it, when it comes to like challenges of implementing agile, like I find it's a lot of like maybe the size of the organization, maybe like the leadership style or maybe the, the, the people that are involved in sort of their buy-in, like, you know, those are, those are like, I don't know, like almost like human resources problems or, or mm. organizational problems and less like product challenges. I don't know. Okay. Does anyone else feel that way? Mike? Mike, I know you had your hand up. <laughs> yeah. So kind of building on what um, what, what Janelle and Abbott have said, listening to this, what occurs to me is what what we do, generally speaking, is we we work with people and communication and alignment and human systems. So there's variations across industries and companies and sizes, but at the end of the day, we're humans and humans interact in very um, uh, somewhat predictable ways. And the ways that the methods and the techniques we use to connect with our fellow human beings and, and uh, guide our fellow human beings are are somewhat transportable where there's a uh, an important difference across industries is understanding the specific uh, languages and the nuances of the business and the things that affect the environment and the the uh, <clears throat> kind of the incentives the the informal incentives that people are are uh, subjected to the, so it it for me it kind of comes back to the human system and understanding the, those forces acting on the human system and um, <clears throat> after you've seen <clears throat> you, know, you know nine different industries <clears throat> you develop all screw some, up a safe implementation yeah you're kind of yeah you kind of develop a, a, a <laughs> develop a, a, a knack for uh, picking up on the language and and uh, being able to reflect the language back you know, kind of be a chameleon uh, yeah got it got it i like that i like that analogy of a chameleon janelle i'm gonna ask you a question so throughout this conversation obviously due to our own bias and the roles that we play in our professional lives 
where we concentrate very much on coaching. Does this change when we're talking about different roles involved in the agile organization? For example, scrum masters, can you get away with internal internal skill upskill versus hiring product owners, right? Or, or, or maybe even let me change a comment. Let me change the question. Is there a particular role that you think any, every organization would be best suited in a particular agile role would be better suited to hire externally than to try and train up? Ooh. <laughs> Can I pull out the Stephen Kellogg answer? Yes, it depends. Here's my, <laughs> this is what I was thinking. Chops. Chops. <laughs> you got to have the chops. Mm. Like it, it doesn't scrum math. I'm not saying these roles aren't one's more important than the other. There probably are some nuances that my other uh, fine cohorts will point out. But as I'm my first reaction to what you're saying, Jay, is the the person who's already working in the organization needs to have the chops, the stomach, the the internal fortitude to take the heat that's invariably gonna come from being a scrum master and standing up and being a heat shield to a director that always got his or her way and all mm -hmm. that. So that's where I'm coming from with this. It's, it's about, um, you know, if it fits with the strategy to go internal, then it's about, do you have the people who can, that you think can do this, right. whoever you are? Okay, Abbott, thoughts? <clears throat> I guess like if I were to, answer to that question that you asked Janelle, what comes to mind is like, is an agile coach, does that count in your like spectrum of roles or is that not count? No, that counts. That okay. Counts. Yeah. It feels like that would just be a real challenge to set the expectation that like someone would immediately upskill and be able to teach that um, to, to their colleagues, right? Like teach agile, I should say to their colleagues and, and show them how to do something especially if they haven't, you know, worked in a lot of those other roles that they're, they're training on. Um, that, that feels like one where having experience in other organizations, seeing some of those similar problems, and then, you know, understanding, you know, maybe learning the language, that would be the gap, right? If they're coming into a new place and they're coming externally like that, that to me feels like where those uh battle tried uh skills would mm. would be uh, uh most needed maybe from the outside mike thoughts that's yeah so uh as janelle was talking i i was thinking that it's easier it's not easier it's shorter time to uh grow talent internally for more the more uh, i hate this term but i'm struggling for the right one entry level so like the the first kind of agile role like a scrum master or product owner uh yeah but there's um a shorter learning curve if you will mm -hmm. and those roles rely more on knowledge of the business and mm -hmm. um so there that's it's an easier a lift to get somebody from ground zero to to that kind of a role and then from that role that that point then they can develop into, into further roles uh, uh jay you and i have uh, seen this in a couple places i think where someone who has been in a company for mm, i don't know 15 20 years 
and uh, has come from a different background. <laughs> and they go to, you know, uh, whatever kind of indoctrination, five-day take a test thing. And Certified. <laughs> certifiable, <laughs> did you say, Janelle? <laughs> Certifiable. <laughs> and then that person is a coach. So that person will can, can you know, smart people can easily connect the dots and figure out how the method works. And if they're really smart people, they understand how people work. So they can put those together and be an effective coach to a certain extent. What that path, that pathway for a person into a more um, uh, broad reaching coaching role misses is the benefit of having seen multiple organizations, seen mm. similar problems, seen different problems and being able to discern patterns. We, what we do is uh, a lot of it is looking at, is to set, identifying patterns and recognizing patterns and then um, looking for root causes to those patterns. So that can be the, the homegrown coach, if you will, has one advantage in that they, they know the, the territory, but they don't have the advantage of other examples to Perspective. recognize yeah. patterns from. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, after I asked this question, I kind of, you know, I, even when I threw it in discord, I kind of bounced around in my head and I'm like, okay, so if I was on the receiving end of this question, how would I answer it? And I kind of think, and I would love to be given a, a, a carte blanche check to try it. I kind of think the secret to success is probably a Stephen Kellogg ish. It depends where it up, you know, find the right, you have the people to be successful. And if, if you're listening, you have odds are you have the people to be successful in your organization. You just need to find them, right? You need to find the right people. But I also think, I think you're right, Mike, it is a bit of a mix, right? So if I find five or six BAs and project managers who want to be scrum masters, right? I would be doing them a disservice if I didn't bring in at least one person from the outside who has taken some hits, who can kind of model the behavior. You know, we learn by, you know, we're mammals. We learn by copying others. So bring in not only an experienced coach, but bring in a damn good scrum master, someone who's close enough to be a good enough scrum master that they can kind of teach a, teach while not even meaning to teach, like having to think about it, right? Like imagine, uh, I kind of think if you have an org where you bring in one really good product owner who might not know the widget, but knows PO, and have them work with the POs who know the widget, but not necessarily how to do the job. Same thing with scrum masters, same thing with RTEs. I think, you know, I don't think that's as expensive, but I kind of think that might be the secret to success. I don't know. By the time we figure this out, Waterfall is going to come back into style and I'm going to have to retire. <laughs> I'm going to have to retire. I I like, like one thing, I think all that's, those are like, yes, I, I agree with all that. I, one thing that comes to mind, just like listening to like everyone's thoughts is that like the thing that you don't, you might have a challenge seeing if you're, you know, upskilling someone who's in a different role before into this new role without someone from the outside to come in and, and just kind of help show the ropes and, and, and give an example of how it was done elsewhere is like failure happens. Like, I, I feel like people, like one thing that to me, I would never have gotten without at least like a great trainer and like, you know, someone to look up to and ask questions to is like, oh yeah, it's okay to fail. That's like part of the process. And and if you're in an organization where, you know, hey, you just got slotted into a new role, 
like maybe your manager can even tell you directly what you should or shouldn't be doing. And then you're like, you're like, uh, you, you're so afraid to like mess it up that you, mm. you know, you're not really learning. You're just kind of like trying to, you're just, you're trying to fit everything within a box and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're not pushing the boundaries of actually testing and learning. You're, you're just like running through the motions of like, let's get through this two week sprint. Let's like get it done. And, and, and maybe nothing really valuable comes out of that for, you know, your customer, mm. your organization or what have you. It's, it reminds me of the theory without practice is uh, useless practice. That theory is expensive. You got to kind of understand a little bit, a little bit of both. All right, you know, I got another question for you. It seems like I, I keep coming back to you when I have these interesting ones. So hey, Jay, Jay, before you go there, oh just, yeah, go on, Mike, just, go on. I want to uh, add something to what Abbott just said. I read this recently and it really resonated is that a human being learning in an environment like that we work in approximately 70% of your learning comes from actually doing work. Yes. 10% maybe comes from formal knowledge transfer and 20% that middle 20% comes from uh, mentoring and coaching. So if you think about, you want to grow those uh, competencies, you got to get in there and do the work, but mm -hmm. supported a little bit of training, a little bit more coaching and a lot of doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. And, which is probably why that the idea of the dojo is so effective when used correctly, right? Because mm -hmm. you're doing and learning in very small, rapid chunks. Um, yeah, it's got to be kind of wild. There's companies that buy, that build dojo spaces that never use them, right? It's kind of <laughs> wild, right? Um, Janelle, so my question to you. Ben's crying in his beer. Yeah, yeah. The, the person who shall be, be renamed nameless who are listening right now are definitely crying <laughs> into their beer. So, Janelle, we've talked about hiring versus growing product managers, product owners, scrum masters, coaches. What about leadership? Do, do we need to bring in an agile native leader who walks and talks the walk? Or if not, what is, without giving away your, you know, 13 herbs and spices secret recipe, what are some of the things that you would suggest help to try and, you know, because when you're doing a whole, whole transformation, the leadership's got to go with it. So how do you, do you hire someone who's an agile native or do you kind of, <laughs> do you kind of poke? Okay. I it says it depends. There you go. <laughs> right on brother. Um, <laughs> no, I was a dojo sensei and I love talking about that. We helped build one from the ground up. Um, uh, we love it. Uh, Mike and I, it's a bit of an inside joke where we work. We have cross pads in places where they took the time and money to build out the dojo and hire coaches and never used it. My um, Claudia, who will join us sometime, we have a picture of the wall in the organization where the blue paint of the dojo ended just in the middle of the wall because the other part of the wall belonged to another department. I have a picture of it. I'll never get rid of it. Is that like one of those like old people who live next door and bicker over the lawn? Right. And you can see there's like the dividing line in the lawn where they don't cut it. Oh. Right. Dojo? No dojo. <laughs> okay. So that, yeah, it depends. And when you're, I want to just qualify to like an agile leader for delivery, an agile leader for enablement, enabling the transformation or like change network, you know, whatever foo-foo words you want to call it or, or not. Um, and if you don't use the enablement part, you're missing out. Um, you, whoever's listening, um, 
So I think that that's really hard to say. We're going to outsource. Mm. <laughs> but, We're going to outsource um, leadership. Yeah. But what you, we've probably all seen happen, though, in the course of a transformation is there's a lot of shifting that can happen where people are out by choice, not by choice. Um, and it's just interesting who kind of comes into that. It could be someone from the outside who used to be a leader at Nationwide and they went through a transformation or whatever. They're always from Nationwide. What's up? <laughs> and they're good. Um, so I think maybe by attrition or um, over time, it sort of naturally might happen, but I, I haven't seen it where it's a strategy to outright hire um, an enablement manager I've seen like new delivery areas crop up and saying, oh, we're going to get this person who's a cloud, blah, blah, blah in. So that's my. Okay. 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 Gents, any reactions, thoughts? Would you agree? Would you disagree? I like that answer. Yeah. I, I mean, certainly like, like it feels like a, an enable i i hadn't thought about it that way so i appreciate that language janelle that that's that makes a lot of sense in my mind like having someone who can beat the drum who's been there who you know has also built up the trust and at least uh the cachet that people can can look up to and and say like here's what we're trying to do and here's why and separately you know maybe someone who's dedicated to like actually getting things across the finish line and that's like their their specific role maybe that does make sense to be like brought in from the outside okay mike as janelle was talking i was i heard gifts voice in my head <laughs> when you start a transformation have a severance budget <laughs> <laughs> i've been part of that yeah. but uh um <clears throat> The, with respect to leadership, the, it depends really comes to, to the forefront because what it depends on is the mindset and the openness of the person that's in that leadership role. Um, think about um, uh, if you read uh, Michael Hammond's book on Evolve Agility and the, you know, how you have to create the vertical room for growth before mm -hmm. growth can happen. The uh, people in leadership roles, if they're if they're willing to create the vertical room for growth and they're open to to new ideas and and feel secure enough to try something different than what's gotten them where they are today or to date, I should say, and that person can be a very effective leader when paired with some uh, expertise and uh, an outside perspective. It could be in the form of a uh, like something I'm doing now is, you know, one hour a week, I uh, coach a, a, a guy who's an enterprise agile coach. And he just needs a, a, a sounding board and, and somebody who can help him make sense of things. But he goes and does the, does the, the, the good work. Um, and I've also been in places where the, uh, the environment was such that it was uh, too big a leap for the people in leadership roles to be willing to make that kind of change. So there was uh, leaders from outside brought in, so, you know, sometimes in little bits and sometimes in big bits. Mm -hmm. um, on the, the topic of the enablement though, uh, Janelle, I think, you know, uh, really uh, vital point that you hit there. 
in in my experiences, what the the sweet spot seems to be, you can have uh, the person leading that enablement function be someone who understands the company, understands the the networks of influence, and can work the organization paired with a number two who brings additional experience and and those two mm. can you know kind of become like the odd couple um, <laughs> the client I'm working with right now uh, in in one particular area has that dynamic going on <clears throat> and I'm just kind of you know uh, coaching them as they coach each other <laughs> and it's it's really uh, enthralling to uh, to experience because just listening to two I, I was like oh this is Felix <laughs> <laughs> that that's what i've seen work work best it, the the but the the ability the, this kind of change you know deep organizational change changing what we truly value and how we respond to adversity and what we're going to reward and and uh you know today at, at a client a guy in a somewhat uh, significant leadership role in a meeting with like 35 people <clears throat> Um, one, one of, one of the coaches was on, on team saying, oh man, he's yeah, remaining most awesome. He's calling out the, uh, elephants in the middle of the room <laughs> and he, he picked the right moment when the, uh, the, the, um, organization was, was open to that, to, uh, have the courage to call out the elephants in the room. You know, two months ago, he was kind of deferring and saying, well, we'll, We'll, we'll get to that. It's it's still early days mm. and that kind of stuff. So that that kind of savvy is essential. And I think the more the more I reflect on the conversation we just had, I really think it comes down to um, the most expensive resource that every single one of us has, and it's time. Right. So you need to give things time to try and work. You need to give time to to see if things won't work. I mean, uh, I've worked with people where I never thought they would make the turn. Never thought they would make the turn. And yeah. then one day I kind of opened my, I kind of looked and I noticed and I went, shit, they made the turn. When did that happen? When did I, you know, it's, it's, it didn't, you know, change happened slowly then all at once. Um, uh, I was like, wow. But we, I think we also admit the other side of that corner is we've worked with people who just, they don't make the turn. They can't. And, you know, Gifford joked and said, you need to have a large severance budget. He also made the analogy that I felt like Noah building an ark and I needed to decide who was coming on and who wasn't. Um, but that, that ties to the uncomfortable and really unsettling truth that, you know, Jorgen, uh, Jorgen Hesselberg talked about it in his book, where there is a significant population inside your organization. When you try to do large scale change, that is not going to want to go down that path. I think he said it was like 13, 14%. And I, I, I really think the art and what we do is developing that, that lizard brain sixth sense to know. To know when I'm talking to to Abbott, and I'm like, okay, he's he's got it. He's stubborn, but he's got it. Or then I talk to Mike, and I'm like, no, no, no. I got to figure out we can where we can put him to minimize the blast radius, or, or like you said, the severance budget. Um, but I think that the time aspect is the most vital part that everyone at all levels need to be cognizant of. That's I think the piece that's that all, that that you just got to get comfortable with. It sounds like. Uh... A perfect segue for the next uh, roundtable, right? Is, is 
is it a cult or is it not right oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah is that yeah that's gonna be an interesting conversation is or is not agile a cult um okay so we're quickly hitting the 40 minute mark so i want to go around the the room and get final thoughts and and by final thoughts i mean someone come to you and said my organization is looking to start a transformation um if you had to give me a one or two one line to get me out of the blocks and out the gate off the blocks and out the gate what would your one line be mike i'm going to start with you because i picked on janelle all the time all all, all episode you get to go first she's tough she can take it (laughs) the, the one question i would i would ask is if this agile transformation were to go exactly the way you want it, what would it be like? Okay. Great question. Okay. All right. Good question. Good question. Abbott. How long are you willing to wait for it to happen? And I mean, I, some form of Mike's question, cause that's just the most important thing in my mind. Okay. Okay. Janelle. Why? <laughs> <laughs> why 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 do you why you know like why do you want to change or what's the reason you're asking me this question do you know what i mean not to be a jerk but what's the purpose right if, if we're really talking big picture which has indirect impact on who you have support the transformation if it's right. truly a transformation we don't even know what it is what right if you don't if you know why if you don't know why what, what are we what are we kind of doing here are you just trying to waste money because we can waste money in all sorts of exciting ways oh yeah <laughs> right it has right. nothing to do with the actual methods either yeah. <laughs> no it really doesn't really doesn't we could uh we could buy mural miro and like three other collaboration tools and then not understand why people don't like or put on that. a big right. conference at a hotel and you know yeah yeah right the big conference with the four-hour open bar um because that works well that works well in my experience but i'm not yeah. <laughs> that's a conversation for a different time all right so uh on behalf of janelle mike abbott myself i want to thank all of you for tuning in once again uh on behalf of the listeners i want to thank the three of you for spending this evening with me and answering this completely unscripted abbott really got trial by fire here right he came in with literally no notes whatsoever um so <laughs> Good on him. So, uh, but he didn't yeah. get the full force of GIF, though. I mean, he yeah, took it a I, I'm worried. Who's GIF? <laughs> oh, Gifford. We need a. Yeah, we need. He hasn't been around either. He's been. He's been busy. I think he. Uh, I think he's got two new kids in the house. I don't know. He's. Oh he's an interesting man. He's a. He's a riddle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a paradox. He's quite interesting. <laughs> so anyway, uh, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening once again. <clears throat> Uh, thank you to Machine Man Records and the artist Krebs for giving us our outro music free of charge without royalties. Someday we'll monetize that dang YouTube channel. Uh, we are committed to being free. We have a Discord. Please hop on the Discord, get in the conversation. I think we're up to 450 something registered users. So it's it's slowly but surely picking up pace. Uh, last but not least, like I said, we are committed to being free. However, we do have a new program where uh, for a small investment monthly, you become part of our merchandise drop program. Uh, where we send you exciting stuff once a quarter. I believe Mike was a recipient in the first gift. Um, and we have some more exciting things planned on the way up. He got his Agile Uprising socks. <clears throat> so we have some more fun stuff coming on the way. So again, we're committed to being free, but if you like uh, what you hear and you want to help offset hosting and production costs and all that sort of stuff, we really appreciate it. Uh, so tune in next Sunday at 12 p.m. for our next episode. And until this next time, this is the Agile Uprising podcast signing out.
better, better, better. Baseball is here, and so is the BetRivers.com Sportsbook app, featuring same-game parlays where you can combine the excitement of different bets, all from the same game. Bet the total, spreads, player props, and more. Plus, with award-winning customer service, BetRivers.com Sportsbook app, here comes a baseball joke, is a home run. Download the BetRivers.com Sportsbook app today. It's a whole new game. Presented by Rivers Casino, Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 